Hi, I am Tingan, and this is the Parents in Tech Podcast. Welcome to the Parents in Tech Book Club. In each episode, we summarize lessons and takeaways from two best-selling parenting books so that you can save time, get your dose of parenting advice, and get back to our families and careers. The theme for this episode is How Children Learn. We examine two books, The eponymous How Children Learn by John Holt and The Montessori Toddler by Simone Davies. These two books discuss different foundations and methods to help understand how our children acquire and absorb information. How Children Learn by John Holt was first published in 1967 and then revised in 1983. In 2017, a 50th anniversary version was published with a new prologue, although the content remained substantially the same. He wanted to create change by dissociating education from schooling, with the belief that children do not need, and in fact would be better off without compulsory schooling. John concluded that learning and freedom for children was best. In his book, he describes in detail, and with several examples, what natural learning is. Natural learning is when there is no anxiety or fear, pressure, or manipulation by the parents. This book helps us understand why it's important to allow children to develop their own mental processes and discusses how children learn to speak, read, or pick up other skills like sports, art, or math. In addition, the book discusses the importance of games, fantasy, and curiosity on the child's mind development. The second book we're going to check out will be The Montessori Toddler, written by Montessori educator Simone Davies. Montessori is a word we as parents hear a lot, from the advertisements of preschools to conversations with other parents. This book introduces what the Montessori method is and talks about the practical parenting strategies that will support a child's development. So what is the Montessori method? Most teachers in traditional education stand up in front of the class and decide what kids need to learn. This is called a top-down approach. In the Montessori method, there is a dynamic relationship between the child, the adult, and the environment. In this dynamic, the child is in charge of his or her learning. The child is then supported by the adult and the environment. Materials for learning are laid out on shelves in sequential order from easiest to hardest. The child works at their own pace with the material, following their interests at that moment. Next, the teacher or parent observes the child and when it seems he or she has mastered it, the teacher or parent will give them a lesson with the next material. In other words, the kid is in charge of what they learn, how they learn, and how fast they progress. Simone's book describes how educational values utilized in a Montessori classroom can also be used at home. She describes a variety of Montessori activities that we, as parents, can conduct with our children. I believe that both books complement each other well. The common principle both emphasize is to trust our children in the learning process. John Holt's book provides a foundation and concepts about children's learning, such as the impact of us parents pushing our kids to learn. Simone's book then comes in with a vast catalogue of activities on how we as parents can avoid exerting this pressure. So what will we be discussing in the next few minutes? We will summarize the key takeaways from each of the six topics. Number one, 
creating a safe space to learn. Number two, curiosity. Number three, language and reading. Number four, sports, art, and experiential activities. Number five, fantasy. Number six, other takeaways on learning. Act one, creating a safe space to learn. Both books emphasize the need to treat our children with respect for them to learn effectively. In his book, John talks about how when he started studying children in the 1960s, the opinions and emotions of toddlers were seen as not important. In the 80s, that started to change and psychology started to pay more attention to how kids see the world, how they learn and how they grow up. John shares that children are able to develop their full potential in the company of loving, respectful and trusting adults. In her first chapter, Simone uses the same method to explain the terrible twos. The terrible twos refers to toddlers who lack control, so they often don't listen, toss things or refuse to eat or sleep. Naturally, parents often label them as monsters or attention-seeking, but they don't try to understand them. In this part, Simone talks about what toddlers need and why they need it. This is the phase where they are developing their autonomy and have a strong need to explore and discover the world around them. Naturally, they desire freedom, but our role as parents is to set limits. These limits not only keep them safe, but also teach them to be considerate of others. When setting limits, it is important to be consistent, so toddlers can make sense of the world and know what to expect. To sum up, there's always a reason why our kids act the way they do. We must remember that children are not machines, but humans who feel and learn. And most importantly, they are learning. Act 2. Curiosity Both books agree that curiosity is the foundation of learning. In John's book, he explains why and how children play. By playing, they experiment and learn by trying to figure out how things work. In the same vein, John encourages parents not to kill a child's curiosity. This happens when we say to them they can't do something without explanation. The child may end up feeling that the world is full with hidden dangers and exploring leads to trouble, rather than discovering exciting things. For example, instead of asking the child not to touch an object in fear of breaking or damaging it, we should teach them how to handle the objects carefully as they are perfectly able to learn to do so. The Montessori book then shows us how to encourage curiosity in our children. Simone shares that we need to trust in our child, provide a rich learning environment, give them time, as well as a safe and secure place, physically and emotionally. She also shares seven more specific principles when our children are learning through curiosity. Number one, follow the child. Let them be in the lead while doing activities. Number two, Encourage hands-on learning. Touching, smelling, hearing, tasting, and seeing objects are the best ways for toddlers to learn. Number three, involve the child in daily life. When we do something, toddlers want to know what we are up to. They want to be part of the family. Number four, go slow. Let them be at their own pace. Don't rush the process. Number five, assist them in helping themselves, but only when necessary. Then step back and allow time for practice. Number six, encourage creativity. 
A creative atmosphere begins with a prepared setting, starting from a place where children are safe physically and emotionally. Number seven, observe. Parents should observe their child's actions and spot opportunities or barriers that hinder their development of independence. Act three, language and reading. Next, we will discuss how children learn to talk and read. John's book takes an in-depth look at how children begin to learn to talk. As adults, we are so used to talking that we forget that it takes a very complicated coordination of lips, tongue, teeth, palate, jaws, cheek, voice, and breath to enunciate a word. Something very interesting he shares in his book is the undifferentiated baby. In a baby's mind, for some time, he or she sees just a mass of shifting shapes and colours. They are not differentiated. There's a single, ever-changing picture in front of them. Let's take a simple example of a chair. Before the kid can start naming things, he or she must first see that the chair exists by and of itself, independent of a room. He or she must also see that this chair is more like another chair compared to a lamp, a table, or a rug. When he or she differentiates, a classification forms in his or her mind. Thus, naming things is not just blind imitation, it is a creative act. This is how children start to see the world and sets the foundation for learning how to talk. John tells us that if we want to help young children as they learn to talk, one way to simply talk to them naturally is to let them be around when we talk to other people. When we talk to them, we can also name things so that they can start the process of differentiation in their mind. On speaking, the Montessori method suggests tools to help enrich their vocabulary. Simone explains that we can put together vocabulary baskets. Vocabulary baskets consist of three items, the real object, a replica, and a printout of the object on a card. First, introduce the child to the real object, such as a fruit or a book. Second, present a replica of the real object and simply name it. For example, this is a banana. Finally, present cards for matching to identical photographs, initially working with only three to four objects at a time. You can photograph the objects and print them. In addition to this simplicity, this tool is a simple and versatile one for expanding language at home. They are easily adaptable to make the content relevant to the seasons, holidays, your child's particular interests, or your family. Also, Simone encourages parents to use books full of vibrant images, sit down, and read to them. We can also play with them using the objects mentioned, and then test them in a playful way by asking them about the objects, such as, what is this? Talking to our children while we pass time with them is a very good starting point. With this, we help them expand and learn new words. We can start describing what we are doing or talk to them about something we just watched on TV or read in a book. Children like and want to be included in the communication of our daily life, and this will help them in constructing their language and feel more connected to us. On the topic of reading and writing, both books emphasize how we as adults take for granted the skills as we have already mastered it. It is important to consider from the child's perspective that this is a difficult process that is not easy to master. Hence, being empathetic is important. 
we think it should be easy for someone to remember what a word looks like from one page of text. But we already have this knowledge. For a child who has only just seen the word for the first time, it is hard. Children need some time to get used to the shapes of letters and relate to a full word. So patience is critical. We must give them plenty of time and not be surprised or upset by what looks like slowness or clumsiness. Also, while being with them in the journey, John states that we should avoid at all costs making them feel dumb. Instead, we should provide them with validation of their development. In short, talk to children frequently, be empathetic, and be patient. Act 4. Sports, Art, and Experiential Activities In this part, we will analyse how children learn experiential activities. Sports and art are not learnable through pen and paper or at a desk. John shares that sports, in particular, is an area where we see how much children can learn without any guidance. The child interacts with the activity through the environment surrounding him or her. It is a much more active manner of developing. When we use the child's natural desire to explore the unknown without trying to force them faster or further than they feel ready to go, most progress on learning is made. The same approach applies to art. Art can stimulate the brain, the eye, and the hand. Art, like crafts and skilled traits, it's not something we can learn entirely. Just like sports, art puts before us problems without a singular right answer. Art therefore encourages creativity. As children draw, paint, and make collages, they are learning about their worlds, colours, shapes, and sizes of objects. Simone's approach is quite similar, and she suggests many tools to start working with arts and crafts with our children. Young toddlers from the age of 12 can start with drawing or watercolouring. When the child reaches 18 months, we can start introducing scissors and gluing activities. At 2 to 5 years old, we move on to more complex activities like sewing. The essence of Montessori is to start simple and then increase difficulty as they mature. Some additional tips. Try not to be prescriptive. Give feedback, but not as praise, but more of observations. And finally, show by example. Get your hands dirty in sports and arts too. Act 5. Fantasy. One unexpected catalyst for children's learning is fantasy. Fantasy, or imaginative play, is the fertile ground where children's ideas are spread, cultivated, and developed. Imagination is inherent in the human's mind. It's where our creativity comes from, and it's one of the ways we process learning about the world around us. In John's book, he assures us that children use fantasy not to get out of, but to get into the real world. It provides a means of doing, what the child can't do in reality. John points out that the fantasy games children play often involve roles that exist in the adult world. They pretend to be mummies or daddies, truck drivers, train conductors, pilots, and doctors. In fantasy, the child can do things that nature or authority won't permit him or her to do. It is then crucial for parents to let children be and develop their own ideas, since it is a very normal stage of growing up. Now what is interesting is the Montessori approach discourages fantasy to infants and young children. 
the Montessori method approaches fantasy in a more in-depth manner, and while very interesting to an older child, can be confusing to the young child as they are not able to differentiate between reality and fantasy. It then argues that these younger children should have hands-on experiences in the real world. At around 2 to 3 years of age, parents will see their children begin with fantasy play, and this is a sign that they are processing what they are seeing around them. They are being creative without being too overwhelmed by the idea of dragons, monsters, or other things that they can see or experience directly. What can we learn from these two books on the topic of fantasy? First, we as parents should establish a foundation with hands-on experience, providing them with a sensorial approach. By doing this, we are introducing our child to the world. After that, fantasy will naturally develop and it is worth encouraging because fantasy helps children absorb new learnings into their world. Act 6. Other takeaways on learning. Simone emphasizes on the continuous learning process throughout childhood and puberty. This can be divided into four planes. The first plane is from 0 to 6 years old. The child here gains physical and biological independence from their parents. The second plane, from 6 to 12 years old. The child works on his or her mental independence. The third plane, from 12 to 18 years old, is the stage where enormous physical and psychological change happens as children move through puberty. And lastly, for the fourth plane, this is where adults develop their spiritual and moral independence. John also reminds us parents to be authentic. When we do things with our children, do them from the heart, because we want to spend time, have fun, and build a healthy relationship with them. Put aside the expectations and judgment. Not every interaction with our children must be accompanied with a lesson or an ambition to give them a head start in life. Our intention and attitude matters, as children are very intuitive and sensitive. To conclude, as parents, we often feel the need to actively direct and control learning, ensuring knowledge is retained and lessons are delivered in a particular way. This often stifles children's learning, limits their curiosity, and lessens their self-belief. Children should be able to explore on their own, free from the pressure or expectations from parents to learn in a particular way. Parents should only help if their child asks for it or needs it. This is not neglect. Instead, it is the freedom and trust they need to be effective learners. Thanks for listening to the Parents in Tech podcast with me, your host, Tsingen. We hope you were inspired on how to raise kids and build companies. To catch up on earlier episodes or stay updated with upcoming ones, head over to www.parents.fm to join our community of parents in tech. There, you can also drop me a question, idea, feedback, or suggestion. Once again, the website is www.parents.fm. That's all for this episode, folks. See you next time.